Do you want your car fixed? I'll give you a car fixed. Hello, my name is Ricardo Deacon. Hello, my name is Orla McNeilis. You are listening to The Recommendation Game, a film of the week podcast where we take turns to pick a movie that the other person hasn't seen. We watch it separately and Skype each other to discuss it or Riverside it or whatever is the correct term. (laughs) Getting a plug in there for Riverside. Other apps are available. Uh, You're listening to Dublin Digital Radio. And this week's film was chosen by Orla. It is Wendy and Lucy. How late are you here tonight? Eight o'clock. Eight to eight. Okay. Better than my last job, I'll tell you that. That was all night, every night. Not a lot of jobs around here, huh? (laughs) I'll say. I don't know what the people do all day. Used to be a mill, but been closed a long time now. Don't know what they do. You can't get a job without an address anyway. <laughs> or a phone. You can't get an address without an address. You can't get a job without a job. It's all fixed. That's why I'm going to Alaska. Here they need people. I hear it's real pretty up there. Yeah. You know, if you need a contact for the pound or anything, I'm just standing here with my hands in my pockets all day. You can use my phone number if you like, you know. Yeah. I might do that, that'd, that'd be good. Wendy, a near penniless drifter, is traveling to Alaska in search of work, and her only companion is her dog, Lucy. Already perilously close to losing everything, Wendy hits a bigger bump in the road when her old car breaks down and she's arrested for shoplifting dog food. When she pulls bail and returns to retrieve Lucy, she finds that the dog is gone, prompting a frantic search for her pet. The film was directed by Kelly Reinhardt, screenplay by John Raymond and Kelly Reinhardt, based on Train Choir by John Raymond, produced by Larry Fesden, Neil Kopp and Anish Savjani, starring Michelle Williams, cinematography by Sam Levy and edited by Kelly Reinhardt. So Orla, why did you pick Wendy and Lucy? Because Will Patton is in it. <laughs> Which I had entirely forgotten until I watched this again last night. I was like, oh my God. And then I was <laughs> I was trying to remember who he was in the movie. So I was like, they're waiting for him to show up the whole time. And then, oh my God, as soon as they get to, she finally gets into the garage. I was like, yes. Um, it's, it's such a funny performance because like, he's very much himself, but also kind of believable as somebody that like runs that business. It was very like, Interesting. Um, Do you want your car fixed? <laughs> I'll give you a car fixed. <laughs> so good. Um, this movie, 
absolutely fucking destroyed me when I first saw it. Um, I bought the DVD. Uh, what is the DVD? I, I, <laughs> uh, the superior uh, long-term storage for your media, it turns out. Um, <laughs> uh, I bought the DVD. This was like back when there were no streaming services so essentially they're going to the cinema buying dvds were the only way to watch things or watch them legally online um but uh not that we ever would do that or that we ever had the internet good enough to actually use pirate bay or around 2008 2009 but uh i used to just go into hmv or wherever and just buy dvds and often not even with any prior knowledge of the movie i would just wander around and around and around and be like that looks interesting and i don't know clearly this one did or else it was like on a list or something and i picked it up and took it home and watched it yeah it's the old the amount of movies that i discovered just because of the old uh, three for the price of two that hmv used to have because Uh, i need another one yeah gotta find another one Like, that's how I got, like, I think The Long Goodbye or other movies like that that you just go yeah. like, oh, this sounds interesting. This has, like, an actor that I know, a plot <laughs> that sounds interesting. The cover is deadly. Yeah. W- what could it be wrong? But also, like, I've seen a lot of stinkers that way. <laughs> but uh, the less said about Firestarter, the better. <laughs> but... <laughs> Not to be a future pick. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, or maybe so watching I... a movie that Jersey Scott plays a Native American might be. Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm trying to remember when it would have been. I feel like probably 2009 would make sense, I suppose. Um, but yeah, I watched it and... Uh, I like I don't cry a lot in movies and TV and stuff like it's sort of becoming more frequent now um, <laughs> like <laughs> just as I get older I think I cry like a little bit more at things but like when we're, I was like 18 19 I literally never cried at anything uh, and then I watched this movie and I think this was probably the first movie that actually really fully I ugly cried while watching it and like <sighs> The bit where she sits at the fence. Oh boy. (laughs) It just... Oh my god. And like, I probably hadn't seen it in 10 years when I watched it last night. Possibly more. Like, I've only seen this maybe once or twice. Because it fucked me up so much the first time. that I was like, I can't possibly watch this again. And then I watched it last night and I fucking forgot that like... For a movie where not an awful lot happens it's not very long it has so many fucking intense scenes i had completely forgotten about the scene where she's trying to sleep in the woods and she wakes and like oh my god like the scene is nearly in complete darkness and it's just focused on her face and her absolutely terrified eyes of having no idea where the situation is going to go and like oh my god (laughs) Um, I waited a very, very long time to pick this. Like, possibly... Like 14 years? <laughs> we haven't been podcasting that long. That's how long it'll be by the time we get to our 300th episode. Um, uh, I, like, this this was... Because whenever we started the podcast, this was always really high up on my list of, like, movies that I like to recommend to people because it's, like, it's, it's a, something that most, you know, it's a very small movie. 
my favorite kind of thing that people have never heard of. It's very hard to find online. And, um, <laughs> I had to subscribe to Sundance Now or something last night to pay my subscriptions. I have to cancel over the next week. Um, uh, and then I think we had a run of you destroying loads of movies that I were like really sacred to me that I'd recommended. So I was like, nope, 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 nope. I'm <laughs> I'm not picking this. I'm putting it on I'm putting it aside uh and then I don't really remember why it popped back into my head and why I picked it recently um I don't know I guess I just had it on the back burner for so long I was like fuck it bring it out bring it out and then I feel like I kind of took a risk because I hadn't seen it in so long and I was like shit maybe this is actually not that good at all um I was very happy whenever I watched it last night and I ended up in the fucking state on the sofa again I was like nope I it's still good um uh yeah so you know i'm like older wiser the world is considerably shitter so i'm like fuck it just just throw them all out there throw everything at the wall and see what happens um also it was interesting that before we started recording that we were talking about um ricardo's getting a dog soon um so the funny thing about this film is like michelle williams i love her in general anyways but um she's very very she's really good in this um and her like her face is enough to to generate like the empathy and the stress and the of being incredibly invested in everything that's happening to her and you know it, like it's things that <laughs> she's like things where people are just being shitty to her and then also where she just does really silly things where you're like why are you doing that that's a really dumb thing to do um <laughs> The fucking narc kid in the, in the fucking shop. Oh my god. <laughs> He's such a little cunt. Um, so like her her face alone is enough to like draw the necessary empathy into like her story. But then you throw a dog into the mix and you throw that dog into the mix. Like this lovely expressive face. And, oh my god. Um like it's there's like all these little moments of um where you learn more about like Wendy and and where she came from and and you know like what her life might have been before and stuff and so but also you get a idea of that she's been with Lucy a long time that they they really have been like Wendy and Lucy um when she's on the call with um her brother-in-law or well her sister's partner and uh, she says, like, Lucy, Lucy is missing. Lucy ran away. And, you know, he knows exactly what she's talking about. It's like you get the idea that, like, they, they've been this sort of unit for so long that the idea that she's then gone is so devastating to her because she doesn't, she's not, doesn't seem the kind of person that requires human connection necessarily like if she could go the whole way to Alaska without seeing another person I think she would probably be okay about it but not having her like literal like best friend with her is like just horrifying um oh I love that dog so much um it's interesting as well like all her various relationships with all the different people that she encounters and how you get like flickers of their humanity flickers of like you know the darker side of humanity and everything and like often all wrapped up within the same character like the guy in the car park um with the strangest job <laughs> he just stands there and watches it there's never anybody there he's literally just standing there for 12 hours a day um 
like you know when she first meets him he's like you can't sleep here we're gonna have to move your car we're literally gonna have to roll your car out of this parking lot because you're not supposed to sleep here and he seems kind of like just doing my job ma'am you know but then as like that scene progresses he's there going oh you know giving her advice giving her anything and the more he sees her the more he realizes like the difficulty that she's in and he gives her his cell phone and everything and like oh my god the scene the last time she sees him he gives her like seven dollars and it's like (laughs) it's such a funny moment because you know when you see the amount of money you're like oh my god but then you you think about it and you're like well this guy probably doesn't have a lot of money so and he's like hiding it because he knows that giving anything to this random person his like girlfriend or whatever is gonna be like what the fuck are you doing and but at the same time like whenever she looks at how much it is you can see her conflicted because she's like it's only seven dollars <laughs> although with an inflation i wonder how much that would be worth in 2008 but um <laughs> although well, no, I suppose this would have been filmed in 2007, so this would have been post-recession, but either way, it's not like... Pre-recession. No, no sorry, pre-recession. It's not like, um, it's not like place random small towns in Oregon were doing great. They didn't all have their own little Celtic tiger that then exploded it in their faces. But, um, uh, yeah, it's just, it's so, there's like so much going on in that scene, which is so interesting. Um, I kind of, I thought about like, um... I was gonna say their faces. Oh yeah, I I love the way she shoots faces. I really really love that um the the opening scene whenever she's kind of wandering around, then she ends up when Lucy kind of runs away. Oh, <laughs> foreshadowing. Um, and she ends up at the fire with this group of kids, and like they're introduced just in these like very tight close-ups, like very dark, very like it's like this beautiful, god, delicious, grainy fucking 16 millimeter. Oh my god, I love how this movie looks. Um <clears throat> and it, it, it's just it just sits on them for ages. And like I think as she went on in her career, Kelly Reichert, like she became even more assured about how long she holds shots for, about what she's showing on the screen at particular times and stuff. I feel like if you can see it developing here because <clears throat> even whenever we did like certain women which is a fantastic movie um you can see the like the thread started in this film as like she went on in her career uh well you've seen first cow right yes that was great yeah. oh, good god i love that movie so much i can't remember what else i was gonna say i have <laughs> i have fucking narc written on my notes um <laughs> i love that kid so much he's just <laughs> such a dweeb he's just such an asshole and like just oh god so so like i am so much better than you and it's like you literally work in a supermarket you are not even a full rung removed from where she is in her life as your like stature in america and you're like it's it's such a like like the idea of shitting on everyone that's well, the kind of person you? that would have loved to be in the guard in a concentration camp, like <laughs> there are rules, we must follow them. We must set an example. Um, oh, what does she say? Whenever he says that, she's like, "I'm not from here. I'm just passing through. What kind of example would I be?" You know, it's like, oh, so good. We um, have a policy here. Oh God, it's just like God. Oh. 
and then she sees him later and it's like he's still just like meh just gonna get into this car where my mom takes me home and probably has a nice snack waiting for me you know um your son is a real hero <laughs> i love her just getting steadily more annoyed at him um yeah i i i love this movie and i i was very happy to like go back and rewatch it and kind of see her early career and it's just always interesting to see people coming out of the gate with like the kind of a division of how she sees the world uh i think it was a kelly record we were doing where she's actually from florida i meant to actually look up some interviews with her about this movie and completely forgot but uh yeah but i ricardo what did you think about wendy and lucy i saw it today so i haven't had a simmering too much let's say being like 70 minutes but i just didn't to be honest is because i wanted to give it a uh, give it its due because yesterday I, I had planned to watch it yesterday but after playing around the golf and sowing a back garden like uh, the lawn I was like I can't watch something sad now like I need to watch like we ended up watching randomly the the great Muppet caper uh, <laughs> which and how is was the, that it's alright it's like uh, the, but in style, I couldn't be like a more of an opposite to this movie. <laughs> Just a little. But uh, yeah, I did like it. I think that it is like it is very much American indie movies from two thousand and eight kind of vibe. Oh yes, uh, absolutely. Um, which like is not to its detriment, but I think that like as you said, with her career, where it went like even though it's like. A certain love-hate relationship that I have with her films. Uh, I I think, to be honest, the, the, the biggest problem that I have with this movie is that it's not Nomadland. I did think about Nomadland, yeah. Because <laughs> of the... It's more in the sense of, like, in the structure of the movie, it is, like, very much well-paced and well-written in the sense of, like, as you said, like, that you have the foreshadowing whenever it's in the campfire but it's both foreshadowing the uneasiness of who could be in the dark let's say Mm -hmm. and also of lucy disappearing like that's very good screenwriting it's very eloquent it's very uh very uh efficient storytelling and even like the way of with the car and everything else the like you know every scene leads to the next one correctly and even moments that you think that you know when she meets the the little nazi kid again after like (laughs) he finishes his shift that in any other movie they'd have him going like oh sorry or like not even meaning it just to avoid confrontation but he's so dead set on being like the dick that (laughs) he doesn't say anything you know like uh he just walks away ignores her um, and I think that was great, and I like I loved Will Patton. I I, I loved the uh, so much of this movie. It's kind of a snapshot that it's like you feel the life before and after the movie has started and ended. Like even the scar that she has on her leg is that did she run away and she had a fucking 
tag for home arrest and got like a <laughs> saw to cut it off or did she get bit or did she was she in a crash or whatever it's clearly like why is she moving from indiana but even like the sense of why is she just not getting the bus much cheaper you get in and out you can sleep the whole way through you know like there is kind of assumed it was because she had a dog well you can still put the dog in the in the travel box it's only like a couple of days like in yeah. america everybody fucking travels like that or whatever like uh or even i'm sure that like it'd be cheaper to ship the dog through fucking yeah. fedex or something than fucking <laughs> <laughs> fedex no like i'm not saying like oh, putting him in a fucking box and packing him and pretending that it's a teddy like uh have you ever uh, tried to fedex anything you're going to it's ludicrously expensive I was gonna say uh yeah uh did we do leave no trace uh for this podcast yes yeah yes, that, we did. Uh, that also this movie also reminded me of that and like ironically but not ironically um uh, first blood what what rocky no it's rambo or rambo sorry <laughs> Okay, do tell. No, it's just like sogginess of the Pacific Northwest, you know, like it's the like these dead end towns that people the they had a mill or something on the railway and then the the factory closes down or whatever the fuck and then like your man says, I don't know what people do during the day here <laughs> is makes sense, you know, and then obviously you see why, like, this kind of place would be completely devastated by, like, the opioids epidemic or whatever, because, both because of the pain of yeah. the people that would have worked through the through the factory or through lumber and stuff like that, kind of heavy manual labor, and then having nothing else to do on the day. And then, obviously, like, 2008 could not have been a good thing for that town. Um which is kind of weird whenever we watch movies of that period. Uh, it's it's almost it almost feels like you know movies set in you know like Atonement that is like nineteen thirty nine August is like oh, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. the world was a different place even though it was like equally shit you just didn't know about it you know like you you, you just yeah, didn't you realize didn't. how shit it was because the switch hadn't hit and. You think about it, and it always feels like oh, there th- that there are these events, but they always are like they're not yearly, but they're like at least every five years there's something. You know, obviously now would be the the war in Ukraine. You have fucking like two thousand and eight, but even before that it would be like nine eleven. Then fucking you know there's like the fall of the Soviet Union fucking you know there's so many of these events that like you recalibrate your view of the world or whatever and but also it feels like ah oh, when we look at back at media that is made just before then that we're almost giving it a sense of meaning that they, they don't have in a way, yeah, in a way as if it was prescient or you know that it's like you can see it you can feel it that something is coming and it's like no, <laughs> it's just this is what towns like that were like after the industry left. They'd been like like for decades, and it was 
If I was uh, Kelly Reinhardt's agent, I'd be like, just make a movie about the fucking Dust Bowl, mate. <laughs> like, she'd be perfect for the like uh, for that material. Like, you know, fucking uh, remake of Grace or Wrath. I don't know. You can't improve perfection, I suppose. But it's something like that, you know, like <laughs> grab something that is... Cannot, because even the way that she shoots faces is the one thing that... You know, like all the dust or whatever. Oh, have you seen uh, Ken Burns' documentary on the dust ball? I have not, no. I highly recommend it. It really goes into detail about how like weird life was at the time in the place that is not built. Because obviously, if you live in a desert and the houses were built in the desert, there is a certain way that it's built to work in the environment that you're in. You know, it's the same as mm. whenever you buy... If you go to somewhere that is a real tropical location in Australia, the houses would be differently built than if you're in northern Canada because it it has different needs, let's say, to compro- to defend itself against the environment. But then having houses that are not built to be basically in the desert, being from one day to the next in a desert because it was just the dust coming in, it's like the pictures of just like people having dinner in the middle of their fucking living room and there's like in the corner a big mount of dust because it's too warm too hot not to have the doors open or like the windows open and shit just comes in like fucking you know you have the the it feels like the house has been abandoned for like 10 years but your one had vacuum two days before. But I suppose they wouldn't have vacuums then. Uh... No, they probably weren't. <laughs> they probably weren't hoovering. Um, I watched uh, uh, La Piscine last night. Um, I haven't seen it. Whoa, really? Oh my God. Yeah, okay, I might pick that. I know Alex has it's been a, telling me to watch it as well. It's a fun, sweaty, sexy movie. Um, but it is a real, like, you can feel the heat. Like, at one point, someone is like, "Oh, I need to sleep," and it's like the bedrooms are stifling. The, <laughs> the bit that I gave me, whenever you were talking about the scene, whenever uh, Wendy uh, goes to camp out in the middle of the woods, the thing that really gave me a panic attack was like, "Why didn't you fucking buy a sleeping bag?" Like you have five hundred bucks, even if you're sleeping in your car, like a sleep, like a sleeping bag is better than the little fucking picnic blanket that she uses. It really stressed me out that it got all covered in leaves as well. I was like, oh god. And then Um, I was thinking, like, if it, like, just the dew of like sleeping on a fucking cardboard box in like the humidity of the Pacific Northwest, you just wake up and the fucking thing just disintegrates around you. Oh, God. Well, I don't know how humid their summers are, though. They're pretty humid, I think. No, mm. no, it's fairly dry, but, like, that's clearly not summer, I don't think. It's no, kind I of think autumn. the idea... I think, no, I think the idea is that... No, like, if you look at the trees and everything, it looks very, like, early summer. Yeah. Because I think that's the idea, is that she's trying to go to Alaska to work the summer. Oh, yeah, in the fisheries, yes. Yeah, it so I think, like, it is... Kind of yeah, it's, like, air, it's not very... It's, like, early spring. So yeah, like, because she's wearing gets... like fucking ten layers. Like, there's no way that like, <laughs> you can survive the Pacific Northwest in the 
Like the whole fucking thing mm. goes up in flames if you just look at a tree. Like, it, never mind. Don't, <laughs> don't say that. I'm going to the West Coast in a week. I'm really hoping that all the fires and hurricanes are gone by the time I get there. Um. <laughs> like, uh, I, I, but going back to like the, I felt like weirdly like, and I don't know how to pinpoint it. I think that maybe it's either that the movie is too short. Or that I always expected the ending to be something that is not happy. Either the dog is dead or she has to give him up somehow. That I didn't feel the the hit that you did. Because it's like, you, you know, there's there's no greater and easier way to make people cry. That is like, you know, the, the ending of White Fang that you're like. <laughs> go away, dog, go away, because otherwise they'll kill him. It's like, even the fucking ending of Harry and the Hendersons, whenever <laughs> John Lithgow is, like, telling the Bigfoot to go away, like, the Sasquatch to go away. Like, that's... and Not a movie I'm familiar with. <laughs> you never seen Harry and the Hendersons? It's a fucking <laughs> classic of, you know, like, the whenever the family becomes friends with the Sasquatch. Sasquatch! <laughs> But I also, like, I have I told you about my dog Elsa in Brazil? Probably did, but I don't know if I've told the <laughs> listeners this. I think this. you had to leave her behind, right, before you moved here? Yeah, no, it was before I moved to Uruguay. It was whenever I was in Brazil. But also, like, the, the, the problem I had with that was that, like, the I knew it for, like, a couple months that we would be leaving her behind. And uh, obviously... There's no way to tell her, to like explain to her. So like I'd be sitting down like as a kid trying to explain to her that it wasn't because it wasn't because we didn't love her that we were leaving her behind. It was like and then obviously like we have to give her to the pound because she was like mixed rice and nobody wanted her. And she was like a year old or whatever. You know, mix. <clears throat> it is. It is the term, isn't it? No, or mixed, mixed breed. breed. Yeah. yeah. So she was mixed breed, so nobody uh, wanted her. And obviously, like my mom was like, "Oh no, the pound!" Like they found another family for her or whatever. And then, like obviously, I just thought of that for years, and then it hit me in the head that it's like when I was like seventeen, eighteen. It's like. Ah, she went to the farm upstate, the famous farm upstate, you know, like that is like, oh, there's a family that has 10 million dogs and they'll be happier there. Like, uh, but she was a good dog, like a little, like uh, weird, uh, like fucking, she was going to be massive, like a uh, half Brazilian fila, half German shepherd, which... Also, surprisingly, she was like had the nicest temperaments ever, considering that she's like two of the most violent dog breeds that you can get. I think but, most, um, most dog experts would tell you that it's not the dogs; it's the people that own them. That oh yeah, hundred percent. But I, I thought that like this movie was gonna make like break me, and it didn't. And I mm-hmm. don't quite know why. Um. I think it's because to a certain degree, and I think it's what the movie is saying, but to a certain degree is that the what the guy says, even though he's a narc and an asshole, the uh, people that have no money shouldn't have dogs. And it's not the... It's like 
beneficial for both parties let's say because if you have very little money it's better for you to spend it on yourself than splitting it tw- two ways let's say now, you have the you know like companionship and all that things but the dog is also he, like not she eating also properly. protects her yeah that you know what i mean like that's the thing is that like if she's going to be sleeping in her car in random places having a dog is much more it's safer than not you know so that's like she is pulling her weight but at the same time you know yeah you but at the same time she, goes, feed her. she runs away and goes and drags her to like this fucking rando group that where like a guy that like destroyed a hundred thousand dollars worth of equipment or whatever but they also <laughs> that scene it does like hint the fact that they're you know when you find somebody in the wood, like a bunch of people in the woods on a fire and they have your dog that you don't know if it's going to mm. be a good situation or a bad situation kind of thing. Yeah, I do like that the girl is like, oh, she's just being nice. And she's just like, you're going to Alaska? Oh, my God, this guy's going to Alaska. <laughs> uh, they're just like nice sort of deadbeat kids. <laughs> like. Yeah, the uh, the presence of the like, uh, the train lines as well, like where they're hanging out, is like right beside the the train is. Um, I love like the sound of it because it's both like, it's like trains like that, like sort of freight trains and stuff. They're they're so funny because it's like such a mix of being very like romantic and kind of like oh you know the 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 railway in the background, and also being very scary because there's like a lot of creepy fucked up things happen around like railroads well, the, the better so that wouldn't have trusted that fucking railway whatsoever is that as she's walking to that place there is a t-junction and there's so many car tracks there to say that it's also <laughs> like where teenagers go to hang out kind of thing not necessarily this weirdo that walks up to her like uh, yeah. I think that the, he's credited as like icky guy or something like that no, I think Icky is the name of the character, the guy that crashed the uh, the dinner. Oh, okay, or whatever. okay. It's uh, yeah. Man in the Park is the name of the character. Okay. Uh, yeah. Not that she's really in a park. It's more sort of just random tree scrubs. Um, but uh, like all got the sound design around that scene is so incredible as well. Like as the sounds of the like his voice and the background of the trains is like building constantly oh my god it's so stressful yeah like in this debate i was like don't look at me kind of thing it's really creepy yeah. but, uh, but I, I did like it it's good but at the same time it's kind of you know whenever you watch a movie like this it's not to like it's not the filmmaker's fault as well because it's you know, especially if you're starting out as an independent filmmaker, you can only go as far as the budget takes you, let's say, or like your idea mm-hmm. takes, like you're writing knowing that if you want to make it, you have a budget in mind. So you have to like make the most of a small story, etc. Like, you know, this is like a few locations, nothing big. Like, you know, you probably did the, like you have a Honda Accord that is probably like, <laughs> fucking kelly reihardt's car or like somebody's <laughs> car you know is not like the dog would be the insurance for the dog would probably be the most uh expensive part of the production michelle williams's money i suppose 
Yeah, but she probably got like I'd say that she got a load of money in the back end rather than up front. Like, uh, yeah. and she probably made good money out of it because I think that the budget was like four hundred grand, and the the movie made I think box office like one point four million or whatever, which is <laughs> you know like it's not. When you compare it to fucking Titanic or something, it's not a lot, but... <laughs> or Barbie. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you, Titanic. You've been overtaken by Barbie. But I think it's more the... Sometimes, like, and it's not an issue that I have with small movies because as we mentioned, like, No Man Land and Leave No Trace. I think going back to No Man Land, because I started there and I didn't finish my thought. It's that... Yeah. I think because of the way that it is shot, but also the way that they kind of improvise the scenes, it makes them... And because there's like returning to more characters than just... Because in this movie, you have only... The only connection that she has really is the security guard. Because she doesn't really have a connection with Will Patton. It's just like a transaction, let's say. Mm-hmm. And consider that the with Lucy is only like a little bit that you see them together, and then like for a short movie, I think that it it didn't it's not long enough to build up like to that moment, let's say. But also, it's kind of there's a lot that is implied. But even like in No Man Land, that's what I mean that it's not like I'm using No Man Land as an example because there's nothing in No Man Land that is like completely implied saying like, look at this and I don't need things spelled out to me. because But because I'm in that world for a little bit longer, I get to know the characters, get to know the their plight to a certain degree. Not like, don't need to connect the dots, but I know a little bit more about the their sadness or their tragedy to a certain degree, you know, that mm-hmm. with this is kind of like, I don't know where the tragedy of her life is. And I think that is either not having enough time to spend more time with her as a character, because most of the time she's there as just completely focused on a mission. And, you know, like yeah. the, the, I don't know, like save the cat and all that shit of screenwriting that like, <laughs> Wendy doesn't do anything for any other characters either. Like, she's empathetic because she needs her dog and she... The dog is not there, but doesn't... You don't even know the... You know, she clearly has a strained relationship with her sister. But it doesn't get enough to go, like, is her sister right? Like, you know, it's implied that she asked for money before. Yeah. But it's... Is it, like, really her fault? Or is it, like... I think the perhaps is implied but i think it's i'm adding way too much about like maybe uh like deadbeat husband or like a, a dodgy relationship that she's escaping from or a drug problem or a, she's obviously okay with breaking the law to rob stuff and stuff and i don't know like if it's implied that it's her first time in the system whenever they scan her fingerprints because she's clearly not nervous that like it'll pop she'll pop in in the system for something else for a, like a crime from indiana no, or whatever outstanding warrant or yeah yeah 
<laughs> just on the the police station i do love that the guy can't work the machine <laughs> yeah like it like it's very very much like i i love that like realism because it's exactly what would happen in the in that yeah. moment especially yeah. if you're in a rush to to get out kind of thing but even like the the way in america that they go like you have to pay to be poor like like you know anybody else the more the poor you are the more money you have to pay every day to stay poor like there's no you know you're a rich man and everybody just like everything is free and that the poorer mm-hmm. you are the more you have to spend money but yeah i don't know like uh it's weird it's like because even whenever we watched certain women like that i know that we had the that i did say that the kirsten uh stewart part of that movie is by far the the strongest part of the movie but i could pinpoint one left me cold in the other parts but in this part like in this film there's something missing and i don't know like maybe it's too short but like probably it's too short probably it's like not too small but too small in the sense of like even cast or scenes there there like even the scenes like you were saying about like shots i think is more a problem of scene by scene editing rather than shot by shot editing the later mm. on especially like in first cow and stuff like that there's more room for the scenes to breathe to build up to something that even like whenever she goes and gets the news that her car is destroyed or whatever it's kind of like you know that she's gonna get that news so like you know that the movie like if you ever if you see more than two movies you know that it's not <laughs> gonna be good news you know it's gonna be could be something as tragic as saying like oh you have five hundred dollars and it's gonna be six hundred dollars so you're close but it's you know that hundred dollars is you might as well say a hundred million euro because you're not gonna be able to pay for it but at the <laughs> same time it's kind of you know what i mean that like like the scene in the the woods is the only one that like really stays there for long enough, you know. Because yeah. even like whenever she's like with the old guy in the car park, like they 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 literally just speak about the movie. You know what I mean? Like that they like I need yeah. to uh, plot plot plot. Yeah, like uh, not to like I did mention that whenever I watched the uh, great Muppet Caper, I didn't think that I, I couldn't have thought that uh, this would have linked to this movie, <laughs> but it did. That so there's a scene in it that like uh, one of the characters just starts fucking saying shit about her brother, and then like Miss Pika goes why are you saying this shit to me like it makes like no sense in the conversation we're having and the character goes because it's exposition and it has to go somewhere and we don't know where else to put it so i said it here and it's not to say that this movie goes to that degree of just dumping exposition but at the same time everything is like mission 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 like but mm. at the same time having little moments that uh make the world feel bigger you know like uh i said uh, even with will Patton, you can imagine him going to work and come back even the fact that like he just decides not to open one day for the fuck of it like <laughs> you know but no excuses yeah. like oh it's usually open <laughs> don't know why it, there's like it's never explained 
and he's like genuinely kind of nice about it he's like yeah i did the work or whatever i see that it's bad news i'll just take the 30 bucks for the towing and that's it we'll leave it at that i'll dispose of the car myself and stuff like that and you know that it's yeah. like it's an 88 accord so you couldn't be fucking saying that it's like oh he's bullshitting her so he can sell it as a used car and fix it for 10 grand for 10 bucks because it's a small problem because like it's an 88 honda Accord. like nobody's <laughs> gonna fucking buy it but um, i think that that's like trying like i haven't sit with the movie because i l- literally finished watching it like 20 minutes before we started recording but at the really sa- yeah <laughs> okay. but at the same time it's like it's where i think the it, 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 where it's lacking uh, i have to say that michelle williams is the one case that pro- like the exception that proves the point that y- you have to look like you're 50 when you're 20 so whenever you look when you're 50 you look like when you're 20 because like with the sole exception of the Fablemans, but God knows what fucking Steven Spielberg did to Michelle Williams because she looks so weird in that movie. The yeah. she she's has like twenty eight. She's like twenty eight in this movie, I think. Yeah. And like, I think whenever she was in Dawson's Creek, she would have been eighteen. I think, I think. she was born in the eighties. Like eighty. Yeah, I think. I think she was born in nineteen eighty. So I guess in Dawson's Creek, I had the idea though that she was actually older than the rest of them. I don't know why, because I think that like, uh, like James Under Bleak and and what's her name? I think they were all in like Pacey and everything. Uh, God, I fucking love Dawson's Creek. I must be watched that movie. Um, but maybe I'm wrong with about that. I'm not sure. But um, yeah, I love that she came into that. No, show. No, James Under Bleak like... is older. He's uh, he's forty six. <laughs> oh. Oh, never mind. Okay. Um, but I was gonna say, yeah, just on your your point about like the letting the scenes linger a bit longer. Like I was thinking, just as you were saying that about how, uh, so she like goes to sleep in the park. First of all, I would not have slept. I don't know that she just seems to be able to fucking sleep anywhere. I would not be able to sleep in the middle of a random park in the middle of a random town. It would just not happen. Um, but uh. So then the guy comes along and then she runs and, you know, we have like a little bit of a montage of her running and then she's in the car park waiting for the guy. And I feel like stuff like that, because whenever you're up at like three in the morning and you really want to sleep, but you can't, the night feels so long and so empty. And that would have been a really good opportunity to have like, just to, to have the sense of time of her waiting for the morning to come. So then whenever she's there and he doesn't show up and she's like, I've been here since eight. It's like, no, you've been here a lot longer, longer than that. Like, where have you been? Like, if she had had, like, you know, you could have expanded that somewhat and that would have maybe been an opportunity for her to run into more people or whatever, or just like, the, having the sense of the feeling of time and her being exhausted but not being able to sleep um yeah, yeah she doesn't even... look like so like a, uh, you're correct like in that scene whenever she wakes up in the morning and like she, he goes like you're a little bit worse for wear but like you know she doesn't look any worse than she did in the <laughs> other parts you know like uh like her hair yeah. is a little bit messed up but like her hair is greasy throughout the movie so it's not yeah well 
Yeah, like I think it's just it's not that it feels lightweight because it has like powerful themes. It has like great great performances. Like even the way that it's like implied whenever she's sleeping in the car and there's like three college kids walk by. Well, not college kids because there's no college in this fucking town. Like three, <laughs> like teenagers or whatever, go by and one goes, "Holy shit!" There's a woman sleeping in that car, and it's not like, like it's kind of hinted like they could do something, you know? Yeah, it's like there's always sort of like the hover of threat from all kinds of things. You know what I mean? Like of of having no money, of of you know, but also just of the people that you experience like you run into in day-to-day life whenever like you don't have anyone there to help you and and you are very much alone it's like yeah oh god nothing stresses me more than her like going through her budget as well (laughs) i mean like so stressful uh any closing thoughts well, I think that, like, I, I, you mentioned it, but I haven't, but I do agree with you that Michelle Williams' performance is very good. Like, she's always a welcomed presence in the movie, I feel like. The, is the kind of person that you might not necessarily buy a ticket to watch a movie of hers in, because like, it's a weird thing whenever she, her performance is, with the exception of the Fablemans, because she's... I don't think miscast is the right word. I think she's misdirected in the Fablemans. Mm. It is what she the the type of role that she is attracted to. I suppose the you know similar to Wildlife, another movie that we watch with her in. Yeah, she. I think she likes these kind of is like. She in understand- Wildlife. Yeah, she's the. No, no, I'm getting confused with Carrie Mulligan. There we go. Okay, so they're kind of similar, though. That's yeah, you think like... that they go for similar roles. I think that they have, yeah. like... Not to say that they have... Like, they have similar vibes as performance in the sense of, like... Yeah. Usually it's, like, really um, em- empathetic performances. Like, they, like, not shouty, not showy. Especially for movies of this era, they'll, they'll just pop in in a small role sometimes or just as, like, the... Wa- like, you know, you watch... Brokeback Mountain, and obviously it is a movie about Heath Ledger and Jake Gyllenhaal, but you compare Anne Hathaway's performance with Michelle Williams's performance, <laughs> and you're like, she's doing so much more with way less kind of thing, you know? <laughs> yes. Uh, and on that note, what is your favorite thing about this movie? Probably Michelle Williams, I think. Because, um, yeah, I kind of agree with you that... It's, yeah, it's very rare that you're like, oh, the new Michelle Williams movie is out. Must go see it. It's more just like when she pops up in cast lists, you're like, oh, yeah, Michelle Williams. You know what I mean? Like, she's just a very solid pair of hands. Like, I don't, I'm trying to think of anything I've seen where she's bad. <laughs> well, I don't know how good she is in Dawson's Creek, but like nobody is good in Dawson's Creek. So I, I feel like that's not her fault. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's like some people are just, they're like constantly hinting at a, uh, a like deep well of melancholy behind their eyes no matter which character they're playing and it tends to like lend a lot of like realism and you know she uh, she does a lot of very like unglamorous roles and not just like you know she's not wearing a lot of makeup or anything but like as in you know that are not necessarily she's not necessarily playing very like perfect good people she's being paying people that are more realistic because they have like problems and you know like an actual person does so um 
yeah, she's fantastic. And I think if anyone had given any less of a performance in that role, the movie would be terrible. So uh, what was your favorite thing? I think that the like the griminess of the movie, because like the Pacific Northwest, it's so easy to make it look pretty. Mm. You know, like they make this movie, make it like make Oregon look like how usually people shoot West Virginia. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, um, yeah. Consider that if you take Portland out of it, probably like most of Oregon is like this, unless you're like in a very like the one town that the fucking factory is still there because of the lumber mills. It, like I like like cinematography is really really good. I like that it's like super sixteen. That like the fucking shitty like you know if you want to make something look fucking poor, you, you could shoot like fucking. A mansion in Super 16. And you'd be like, oh, this is horrible. I hate it. You know, it makes everything feel like humid and sweaty, like, and cold. I like, I, I love whenever they shoot fucking tungsten, uh, tungsten areas with uh, daylight balanced movies. It just makes <laughs> it look so depressing, you know, like uh, everything in that petrol station just looks, oh, Oh, the shell. Oh, my God. The little bathroom of the fucking petrol station. And it's oh like, my God. I've been across the... I reckon that I've been to most fucking petrol station toilets in Ireland. And most of them are <laughs> way worse than this yeah. toilet, you know. But Especially the outdoor ones like yeah. that. You literally are, yeah. Oh, God. Oh, and the spiders. They're always full of spiders. And what was your least favorite thing? That she has to leave her dog behind. <laughs> Even though it's the right thing to do. And the man seems nice. But like, oh, I just can't deal with it. It absolutely cuts me to the bone. I don't know what it is. It's just her... Her realization of what she's going to have to do. And like, oh, I think as well, it probably would have hit even harder if her scene in the like the garage whenever he's telling her that you know it's going to cost this much money if they'd let it linger even longer because then it's like her fully knowing that what she has to do so it's like oh it just kills me yeah that God even it just you, goes to her in the taxi getting off there and obviously because she's broke she gets off still a couple miles away like being yeah like, to, like every penny counts kind of thing reminds me how i used to fucking do that whenever i was in college and spending most of my taxi home money on drink and having to get off the taxi like miles away and pretending that that's where I lived because I felt quite humiliated to tell the taxi driver actually this is as far as my wallet can take me but um, yeah like I think I agree with you in the sense also that like it could have lasted like you know if you consider, I know that it's the last shot, but, you know, the last scene in Michael Clayton, whenever he just sits in the taxi or whatever in the car and you so get the, to just spend with that person thinking about what has happened and you're there with the, with him. Mm. In the sense, it's like, you know, you, you might not know what, what she's going to do per se, but it like being there you could have seen like the suffering in her eyes or whatever like it's what i mean about the movie that it's kind of like 
I, okay, then she needs to do this, then this needs to happen, and then, the, like, there's no moment for the film to breathe, let's say, for her to have some downtime that she's just, you know, there's a lot of, like, fat in this movie that could have been shown as, not, um, waste of time, like, not to, like, push the, the time, but, you know, she has to wait for so many things in this town that she wants to leave. But there's no scenes of her just waiting. She's always doing something, you yeah, know. And the one, yeah. like, the one scene that is of her waiting, she's literally like waiting for a millisecond, just having a coffee and a donut, and then you see fucking uh, Will Patton going across the the door, you know. Just work into his own schedule. <laughs> so funny i love his like phone conversations as well it's like so specific i wonder if he improvised them as well like uh, because everybody know. knows the uh, used car salesman like everybody that's bought a car has somebody yeah. like to to pull from you know yeah is this the second movie no he's not a uh, used car salesman it was like this is uh, like imagine if he's in the background doing the same thing as james can is in thief he also ran the car shop <laughs> Oh my god. Yeah. If you look very closely, he's wearing silk suits for God's sake. So good that baby. Uh so that that was your least favorite thing? Yeah. I think it's the not the pacing of the movie, it's more like the lack of breathing. Like especially because she creates such a like good textured world. And it's not necessarily mm. that I want to be living in it, but I think that it required a little bit more room to breathe to to really so like the ending will hit as hard as it hits you in 2008 or 2009 whenever you watch it the first time and like as you said like i'm about to get a puppy i had the like my history of the like with having to leave dogs behind every time that i moved and then also consider that I'm bollocks from working in my garden for the last three weeks. I thought that it was like I was primed to. And also I cry very easily at movies. You know, like I was I was just really like expecting that I'd be like, you know, that you'd be like, how are you today? And I'd be like, I, I've been crying for the last 20 minutes before the podcast <laughs> because I just watched the movie, you know, like. That's what I was expecting that it would happen, but obviously that's not what happened. Like I still enjoyed the movie. I think that it's like it's a worthwhile movie. It's not bad by any means, but it's a worthy picture. But at the same time, it's again the tendency that I always get more like it sounds that I like movies less whenever I'm like ah, oh, if only kind of thing rather than you know. Because movies that I truly dislike, I, I actually enjoy watching more. <laughs> There's less frustrating uh, yeah, to watch. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, because you're like, ooh, you're so close. Um, I'm glad you enjoyed it, though. Um, it was very, it was fun watching it last night. It, really, it felt like a real time capsule of, like, such a movie of its time as well. It's so funny. Um, yeah, so that was uh, Wendy and Lucy. Uh, Kelly Reichard forever. Uh, so Ricardo, if they want to go back and listen to our certain women uh, episode where we gush and gush and gush and gush, where can they find us? You can find us on Facebook, the recommendation game, on Twitter at the Rack Game. Well, like X at the Rack Game. Uh, 
Yeah, we'll shake our heads. Uh, the recommendation game at gmail.com is our email. Uh, you can find us on Spotify or your podcast app of choice. You can find us every second Monday on Dublin Digital Radio. Next week's film is Joseph Ricardo. Yes. Ricardo, what are you picking? Robocop. <laughs> oh, the, I'm like, obsessed the, the, with this transition. The <laughs> Robocop, it's a clarified, the original 80s one, not the remake. Okay. Who is in the... Joel Isn't that guy from the remake? Yeah, the guy from the remake of The Killing is in it. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, well, <laughs> until then, we will be continuing Ricardo's 80s streak. Uh, I was Orla McNeilis. And I was Ricardo Deacon. Thanks for listening. See you next week.